Sorry to break the silence. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, sometimes? If there was a week when the video wouldn't make any sound, uh, it would be the one that's about finding God's peace. And, uh, and just in case you want to know what goes through my head when I'm leading a service, uh, it was this morning was, oh, there's no sound. I wonder if they'll fix the sound. Should I stand up and do something? I don't know if I will. That's kind of cool. This is about peace and there's no sound. Most people can probably read the script. What if they can't read the script? Well, if they can't read the script, then they're probably just enjoying the piece. No one's saying anything. No one's even coughing. This is quite nice. Um, so I trained in Cambridge to learn how to do this, just in case you wondered. Um, and uh, it's, it's amazing, uh, the stuff that, as we gather, comes up. Um, I think that's the first time that's happened quite like that. Um, but there we go. Um, we are thinking today about peace. Uh, and I hope you, some of you probably enjoyed that moment of peace. We're in Romans chapter 5, um, and we are, um, it's a place where we can pause and refresh on the journey. So if you've seen anything of the Romans course, uh, you'll know um, that the image we see is of a mountain. Um, and it's not a mountain that's exactly like that. It's one where it kind of goes up and down and up a bit more and then carries on up. So we're kind of this week on the ledge on the side of the mountain. And having had um, a little bit of, of time to get into the beginning of Romans, um, to get ourselves into the mindset of the people of the day, um, now we just get a moment to kind of pause and enjoy being in God's presence. I wonder uh, if you've had a time when you've been on a journey or an adventure. Maybe you're a mountain climber, um, and if, you were, if you're into climbing and hiking, uh, then you probably love this whole image of, of the mountain. Um, and, uh, um, but maybe it's a drive, uh, and, and you're going on a drive, and you get to that bit where, um, especially if you've got children, they say, are we nearly there yet? And you think, well, maybe we'll just stop at a rest stop or, or a McDonald's or something and just have an ice cream. I don't like their ice cream, they say. Um, and so, so maybe, maybe it's a, a rest stop on a drive. Maybe it's a pause on the side of a mountain. And you kind of go, oh, I'm just going to take a rest from the journey and from the travel to catch your breath and refuel if you've got an electric car, you probably need to do this every so often um, while you wait for your car to recharge. Um, when you climb a mountain, um, I've never climbed any big mountains, but if you, if you go on a hike or climb a mountain, um, you often get to a point, having gone through some undergrowth, uh, where you can get a view. And the view you get from here on the mountain is not going to be as good as here on the mountain. But because of the stuff you've come through, it's like that first moment when you go, oh, that's nice. And then you will carry on climbing until you reach the top. And so that's where we are in Romans. Um, so we're going to think firstly about peace with God. So Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, 
Paul returns to this theme of justification, and the result of which is that we now have peace with God. Uh, the, the peace that people would have in Rome um, was um, not the same as the peace that we have in Christ. I'm conscious today um, as we see on our news um, what's going on with Israel, Palestine, Hamas, and as the world uh, makes judgments in various directions about what's happening, and I'm not going to weigh in on any of those um, just in case you wondered, um, don't get excited. Um, but uh, uh, just conscious, I just want to name it, that that's what's going on in the world. Um, and so um, it is interesting, isn't it, that the Prince of Peace, that is Jesus Christ, was born into a place that has never really known peace. And yet he himself embodied peace and indeed peace with God. And so the peace that Christ achieved uh, was not through the shedding of the blood of the enemies. That's how the Romans got peace. They had a mighty Roman army. They came in, they fought, and they made peace happen. Christ didn't shed other people's blood, but his own blood was shed on the cross. Therefore, verse one, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Two times in verses 1 and 2, we are reminded that we are justified, we are made right with God, we have salvation through not what we've done, but through what Christ has done, through faith. All we have to do is believe. We have to have faith. Uh, in verse 1, um, the tenses that are used is important. So we have been justified is in the past tense, and so we now have peace is in the ongoing tense. We don't just have to wait until the end of time to find out if we've been justified. We can know now already that it has happened. Um, being part of church isn't about, well, if you do this and you do this and you do this, then you'll be made right with God. No. We're given, um, we're given that as a gift. This is a radical idea. It's not a future decision based on our performance. If you're in a workplace or at school, you're going to be marked, you're going to be tested. Um, you may think, well, I'm not really marked or tested, but there's, there's some metrics going on somewhere that's going to evaluate your performance and will decide. And maybe that looks like what kind of pay raise you get in January, if you're lucky enough to get one. Uh, maybe that looks like um, how many customers come back to your business. Um, but in, in life, we have to work to earn. So this is radical. In pretty much, as far as I can see, all um, religions in the world, there's an expectation that we do something in order to earn our salvation in order to earn a place with God, whatever God looks like. But we see here 
uh, this radical idea that we are justified, we are made right with God, not by anything that we are going to do or are doing or will do in 20 years' time, but it's because of who God is and who Christ is. We're justified by faith. So justification is a gift we receive and not a wage that we earn. It would be quite different, wouldn't it, if, if, our, um, if it was the other way around, if we had to earn our way into heaven. If we had to earn our way into heaven, there'd be no shortage of people volunteering to vacuum the church. What can I sign up for? Can I sign up to vacuum the church? Because if I vacuum the church more times and get it stamped on, on, my, on my card, there's more chance I'll get to heaven. Someone takes this out of context now. It's going to be a bad little short, isn't it? Um, but, but you know, it's not like that. And so um, I think in a sense, that's why the church has a bit of a problem. Because the grace of God is so big that we don't actually have to show up. We don't actually have to, to do anything. And yet here we are showing up, uh, not because we have to earn our way, but to celebrate the gift we've been given and to do that with each other. Um, I heard it said this week um, that, um, and and you know this already, but it's, you know, and I do, but it's a good reminder um, that the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means the gathering. And so to people who say, well, I can be in the church and not attend, it's just an encouragement to say the word means gathering. And so this is the way that we do it. How would it affect the way we saw God if we constantly had to earn our wages? It would change things quite dramatically. We'd probably spend our whole lives feeling insecure, wondering if we'd done enough. In fact, there's, that's where the concept of obsessive-compulsive disorder came from, uh, some say, was, was through a sense that you should, go, you, sh- you should always do more. You should go to church more. You should have communion more. You should have confession more. Peace with God, though, means we don't have to have those insecurities. It doesn't mean that... Um, Um, It doesn't mean that we we don't want to live in a godly way. It doesn't mean we don't want to serve. It means it changes the motivation to being our response. Peace with God doesn't mean he acquits us, but has nothing more to do with us. Like a judge in a court who says... You can go free, and I never want to see you here again. God gives us access to stand freely in his presence. He, he acquits us and invites us to stand with him, as opposed to saying, it's all right, you carry on. He forgives us and desires to have a relationship, a relationship with him. And so the peace that comes from God is about knowing who we are in Christ 
about knowing that we are made right with God. That's what the word justification means. And so then, secondly, the love of God from the second part of our reading today, Romans 5, 3 to 5. The gospel doesn't only bring about a formal legal change in our status, as it were, but it brings us into a daily lived experience of God's love. Uh, It said of marriage, you can know that you're married by pointing to your marriage certificate, which is a legal certificate. It proves the objective fact uh, that you're married. Um, But there's also the subjective experience of love, which a couple might experience every day. The two of those things are powerful. And so for us as Christians, we're justified both by looking back at the cross, the testimony of Scripture, and the moment which maybe we can identify, maybe we can't, when we gave our life to Jesus. But we can also look to the daily experience of God's love poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we can know and experience the, the justification, the fact we've been made right with God, the ongoing experience of God's love and transformation. And we can let that change our experience of hardship in life. God doesn't promise us a life free from challenges. If someone has ever said to you, if you become a Christian, your life will become easy, then they are wrong. I know that because I have the privilege, and sometimes not so much privilege, um, but I have the privilege of generally hearing the bad stuff that goes on in people's lives. And I know the hardships that people walk through. And I know that almost everybody in this church, and if you're watching online, it'll be you too, there's something going on that's tough right now. When we walk through difficult times, often the most helpful thing is having someone with us. We don't necessarily need answers. We don't necessarily need to say to someone, I have a problem I want you to solve. But we say, I have a problem. Could you walk alongside me in this? And that's what God does through Christ and by the the Holy Spirit. If we have someone with us when we have a tough time, they may not be able to change our circumstances. If you're in the hospital, in the emergency room, and you have someone with you, a family member or a friend, sat in that visitor seat, they can't, they're not the doctor, they're not necessarily going to change the situation, but they're sat with you in that moment. They're set with you. And that will and does, people find, bring comfort. Maybe you've had an experience in your own life where someone has walked with you on the journey. And by the way, walking on the journey, it's a great metaphor, but also walking and talking is a really good thing. I know some of you like to do it. It's a good thing when you walk and talk. And uh, and, and it doesn't need to be a long walk. But walking and talking... Uh, and as a way of processing what's going on in our lives is a good thing to do. It's the experience of God's love, the comfort in the midst sometimes of difficult times, where we can know the Holy Spirit is with us. 
and it isn't necessarily easy. But the love of God helps us in the times when we feel angry or we, we want to question God. We can know that God loves us regardless of how we're feeling in the here and now of the moment. And sometimes we really feel and experience God's love and sometimes it's hard to see and that's okay. But if we didn't experience God's love at least sometimes, not just reading about it but knowing it, we might, be give, up. we might give up. With the assurance of the Holy Spirit, we persevere knowing that God is strong enough to defeat even sin and death. Back to being on the side of the mountain, pausing, having come through some tricky terrain, wondering if you really want to carry on on the journey to the summit of the mountain, but knowing that God is with us, that we have time to catch our breath. And the Spirit of God can fill us with and does fill us with good fruit. For the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that helps us develop character. Without the experience of God's love, we might despair, but the Spirit fills us with a deep hope. And we'll get to that hope when we get to Romans 8 in a few weeks' time. So how do we live in the light of God's peace and God's love, even in turbulent times in our own lives and turbulent times in the world? Well, the first step, and this is obvious, um, you've heard it before, is to follow Jesus. And there'll be Generally, whenever someone says that at the front of church, most people are thinking, well, we already follow Jesus and that's why we're here. But, you know, there might be some people who haven't yet made that decision. Maybe you want to decide to step out in faith. Or maybe you feel like um, you you stopped being on the journey. Uh, It doesn't mean you lost sight of God completely, but maybe you just stopped. Maybe you sat in the bushes for a bit too long on the bench feeling tired and you need to get up and carry on walking. And so maybe today uh, that's what you might like to experience. There's so much on offer from Jesus, freedom from sin, the promise of eternal life, relationship with God and experience of his love, a peace that sustains us, a hope in the midst of trials. Maybe if you're the kind of person that likes to stop and reflect, you might like to sit down and write out your testimony. Uh, So if ever you get, um, if ever you consider getting ordained in the church, um, then one of the things that you're often asked to do is to tell your testimony. How did you become a Christian? And why today are you thinking about getting ordained as a pastor, a priest, a deacon, or whatever it may be? Um, Well, that's it, there's no others. You can't get ordained as a bishop unless you've done one of those first. Um, so, so if you're thinking about being ordained as a deacon or a priest, that would be the question that's asked. So, so why are you here? Tell me your, your, your testimony, your faith story. Um, and actually, there's two parts to that that all of us can use. This is just water, honest. Um, there's two parts of that that all of us can use. The first part is how did we become a Christian? And 
Um, the second part is, and so what difference does being a Christian make in your life today? And often we think of testimonies, we just think of that first bit, don't we, of, well, I was just going to church for ages, and then one day something happened, and I felt the Spirit, and I decided I'd follow Jesus, or, you know, uh, something more like Paul and the Damascus Road experience. <laughs> Damascus Road. But how does our faith encourage and sustain us on a daily basis? That's our, if you like, living testimony. How does your faith encourage you on a Wednesday afternoon, on a Friday morning, on a Saturday lunchtime? And if you're feeling bold, maybe there's someone you could share that with, and you might find it encourages them too. How do we live in the light of God's peace and God's love? Spend some time asking each day for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Fill us with a fresh awareness of God's love. When am I going to find time, David, you're thinking, to stop in the morning and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me with God's love? Here's when you'll find time. You're leaving your house in the car. You are going to, at some point... Um, stop at a traffic signal and it will be red and you will sit there for at least 90 seconds and instead of thinking oh, why is this one always red the first traffic signal that stops you red I want you to think with your eyes open because if you close your eyes and start praying someone might honk you or whatever so keep your eyes open and just pray Holy Spirit would you fill me today I've got unplugged. That's my fault. So, write out a testimony. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Um, and maybe you are going through a really challenging season. I hope you've been able to share it with someone. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to help you develop resilience and character. Maybe reflect on the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and ask the Holy Spirit particularly, uh, what of the gifts of the Spirit do you need right now? The fruit of the Spirit do you need right now? So a few things practically that we can do. Um, I'm going to invite you as I finish um, to close your eyes. I'm going to uh, read a prayer. Um, if you would like prayer for any of those things. Uh, during communion, we have the opportunity. There'll be people at one or both sides. You can come forward and just have someone uh, pray for you um, if any of that has particularly um, resonated. Let's pray. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your beautiful and reassuring words. While we had our backs turned, while we were separated, you died for us. Thank you for taking our place, for exchanging my sin for your righteousness. Amen.